I have a happy heart. I have a happy mind. I face each day with thankfulness and gratitude. And I think that it is a process. As you go through life, you want to be purposeful in acknowledging the blessings in your life. There are, if you just focus on all the things that go wrong, all the people who've wounded you, hurt you, somebody cut you off in traffic, you were shortchanged here. I mean, you carry these grudges and all of these things in your life. You are missing the peace that comes with with counting your blessings. Hello, friends and damn givers. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast, a show about extraordinary people who are trying to leave the planet much better than they found it. All of my guests are very different from each other, but they do all have this one thing in common. They give lots and lots of dams. I'm your host, Nick LaPara, and I'm incredibly glad you're here. How are you, friends? Like, really, how are you doing? These are truly crazy days. I know that's an evergreen statement. We live in a crazy world, so that can be said every day, every week, every month, every year. But it's true. There's a lot going on right now. Hurricanes, earthquakes, flooding all over the world at this moment. So many of our fellow humans are suffering right now because of these extreme weather events. Maybe you're listening and you're suffering from these extreme weather events. In addition to all of that, I'm recording this on 9-11, a day before it releases out into the world. So we have all just been freshly traumatized by what happened on 9-11 all those years ago. And on top of all of that, last Sunday was World Suicide Prevention Day. And if you know me or you've been following the show for quite some time, you know that I've lost several loved ones to suicide. So yesterday was a lot. And I'm sure that day was also hard for so many of you as well. I won't bring up all the terrible shit happening right now. That's not what I want to make you feel. It's not what I want you to focus on. And it's not what this show is about. But I do want to take this time because I feel heavy. I want to take this time to remind you that I love you. We all need you. And to tell you that I'm here for you. As much as I possibly can, I'm here for you. Every week on the show, I share my email address, and I'm serious when I say that if you need some encouragement or a virtual hug or need to get something off your chest, shoot me an email at hello at letsgiveadam.com. Okay, let's move on. Now for this week's fantastic guest. Her name is Barbara Jo Jenkins, and she, to be honest, has been famous for longer than most of you have been alive. But after all these years, she decided to tell her story in her own words. 40 years ago, Barbara and her now ex-husband spent three years walking across the United States, and they became national and international news. They were on the cover of National Geographic. They were interviewed by the biggest and best out there. They wrote books and sold millions of copies. But up until now... We didn't know about so much of what was happening and going on behind the scenes. Barbara's brand new book out this week is called So Long As It's Wild, and it's absolutely stunning. Not only is it full of stories that will keep you on the edge of your seat, stories that will make you laugh and cry, but it's also written really, really well. Barbara's a damn good writer. And speaking of damn good writers, Barbara's son is Jedediah Jenkins, one of my favorite people and a past podcast guest. In fact, Jed's episode is still a listener favorite, definitely in the top five, which is a big deal considering we have released over 260 episodes. Before we begin this incredible conversation, a quick reminder, as always, that you can email me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show, tell me how much you love or hate me, anything goes. I just love hearing from you. And now, 
let's get right into my conversation with the wonderful and wise Barbara Jo Jenkins. Let's go. Barbara Jo Jenkins, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Well, thank you, Nick. I'm so happy to be here. Finally, we've been trying to have this uh, conversation a couple of times, but your schedule and my schedule, they just uh, didn't work. So finally, we're here, and I'm so happy to be here. We're finally doing it a week before. This will come out on Book Pub Day, which is exciting and cool. Um, but yes, we are finally doing it. And I think you're being a little gracious because I'm pretty sure that both of the uh, uh, the times we had to postpone were both my fault. But either, either way, um, it has been a long time coming. I have been following. I feel like we're we're not friends yet in the truest sense of the word, but I feel like I've known you for a while because I've, you know, know Jed and been following Jed for years. And obviously you show up all the time in Jed's posts (laughs) and in Jed's storytelling, you know, et cetera. So I feel like we're old friends and I'm so, so thrilled that we get to talk today just about life and all the stuff, but as well about your new book. Thank you. Yes, I am Jed's mother. Most people out there, certainly his followers, because he's a social influencer, they just know me as Barb and I'm Jed's mom. So that's definitely part of who I am. But with uh, this book coming out, that's a whole new level of understanding of really who I am. Yeah. And I'm so thrilled to have this conversation because because Jed has this humongous personality and you know, online followership. Um, yeah, you have been known in a lot of the stories and a lot of the stuff as, you know, Jed's mom or Barb, right? And that's so true. But the more that I got to know your story, um, probably for people my age, we sort of missed the early fame that you got, right? Because you were, you became globally famous, at least nationally famous around the time that I was, you know, I was born and sort of coming up. And so your story was not a part of my childhood. But as I dug into your life more and then obviously got a a, a copy of the book to read before our conversation, you have lived many lifetimes already in your life. And I'm so, so thrilled to get to talk about some of that with you. And and I speak to a lot of authors Um, that actually started. I didn't at first I didn't speak to a lot of authors uh, because I wasn't, I just wasn't known as someone who talked with, you know, new authors about their new books. Right. But then uh, a couple years ago, I got to speak with Matthew McConaughey about his new book. And after that, a lot of the, a lot more, uh, you know, PR people for authors started coming my way. And I love that because I love reading books and I think books are one of the most tremendous, tremendous, uh, storytelling methods. Um, but yeah, you've lived so many lifetimes already. And so I'm excited for, not that you haven't, not that you're not well-known already, but this generation is going to get to meet you kind of for the first time, for those that missed yes. it, uh, yes. you know, yes. first time yes. around, right? Do you, do you feel yes. that as well? Oh, I definitely do. Um, I come out of the Ozarks of Missouri. So my memoir tells the story of how I grew up as a very poor hillbilly. And in fact, I we didn't have a bathroom, an indoor bathroom until I was 12 years old. So I grew up very poor. We lived next to the railroad tracks. Uh, the bedroom that I slept in, the roof leaked and the water came down the walls. So the wallpaper was stained. I slept in a rollaway bed my entire childhood. <coughs> so I grew up very poor and worked my way through college, but I knew we had a lot of grit. And the way hillbillies, uh, the culture and the lifestyle is that you work hard and you, uh, you're, you're not afraid of work and you're not afraid to do without and you just you just keep working and trying. My grandfather spent his whole life as a farmer behind a team of mules in the Ozarks. So I grew up where people gathered 
and they sat around and told stories and played guitars and played music and even played spoons, if you've ever heard of that. So it was not uncommon for me as a child. My whole world was about stories and storytelling. So to make the leap from growing up in the Ozarks to actually becoming a writer and an author, it was just a very natural thing for me. So when I grew up in the Ozarks, very poor, then I went on to college, worked my way through college, started working on a master's, and that's where I met my former husband, Peter. And together we walked from New Orleans all the way to Oregon. That was 3,000 miles. This was all back in the 1970s, before a lot of you, you, your listeners or your, your viewers were even born. But our, our adventure, our romance, our adventure, the stories, everything was so um, celebratory that we ended up on the cover of National Geographic magazine. Well, we became famous because we were on the cover of National Geographic. We began to write books. We wrote, I helped write A Walk Across America, The Walk West, The Road Unseen. These books all became international best-selling books. The Walk West sold millions and was, was uh, one of 100 of the most influential books on American culture. So we, we experienced a lot of fame and a lot of good fortune. And that was a lot for this poor Ozark hillbilly coming out of, well, all my ancestors, all, all my histories still right there in the Ozarks. My granny and granddad, my parents, they're buried in a little graveyard you'd be hard-pressed to even find it. It's so back in the hills and in the woods. Well, anyway, so we became very well-known and very famous and had three children, bought a beautiful 200-acre farm. The world was our oyster. I mean, speaking engagements, you name it. So um, what happened, the marriage crumbled. And so that world coming from rags to riches and now back to rags and having to reinvent and rediscover myself and what life was. But I became a single parent of three children and Jed Jenkins, my oldest son, being one of those children. So I've spent all of their lives being a mother and a homemaker and raising my kids and so writing this book called So Long As It's Wild, Standing Strong After My Famous Walk Across America, I'm coming out of 40 years of silence because there were many, many stories and many things that were not covered in our best-selling book. And certainly a lot of those stories were the adjustments. I mean, think about being a newlywed walking 15 and 20 miles an hour uh, a day with 30 to 40 pounds on your back. Peter carried 75 or 80 pounds. You're newlyweds. I mean, there's no uh, romantic dinners over a glass of wine. You're sleeping on the ground and in a tent. And this was how we started our marriage, three years of being on the road. So there were a lot of adjustments, but a lot of thrills, a lot of great adventures. And I write about so many of these in this new book that's just being released. I was one of the first women to go out in the swamps in Louisiana to trap alligators. We trapped a hundred year old alligator. <laughs> wild. Wild. Yeah. So long as it's wild. And, um, Oh my gosh, I've almost been struck by lightning. I can't tell you how many times being out on the road. I was, uh, I'll tell you one short story in Southern Colorado. So we had walked from New Orleans 
oh my God, the, the heat and the mosquitoes and the swamps. And finally crossed the, the deserts and the prairies and the plains of Texas and, and New Mexico. Well, we were entering southwestern Colorado, and unbeknownst to us, this was still very wild territory. And here we are, these, uh, you know, Peter's a redhead, and I look like, uh, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So here we are, coming into Southern California, and we had, we stopped at this little place, and one of the locals said, we need to warn you, you are entering some very lawless country. And they don't like gringos. Of course, we were very, you know, very, very white. And so we were walking on this very desolate road, nothing as far as the eye could see. And I remember it was at the close of the day. I remember seeing a jackrabbit jump off across the prairie and a hawk swooped down and I could hear the meadow larks. It was at the close of the day. And that was always my favorite part of the day because the sun was going down. It was moody. It was quiet. Peter always walked a pretty far distance ahead of me. Part of that was because I couldn't keep up. And part of that was because in his mind, he was kind of scouting out what was ahead. So my head was down and walking. Well, I hear this car coming up behind me. And it's got one of these kind of rumbling noise, you know, rumble, rumble, rumble. And uh, it pulls up beside me. And inside, I think there were three, there may have been four drunk men. And the driver, his hair was long and kind of this jet blue-black. He had a red bandana around his head and I would say he was I don't want to be politically incorrect but he was a some kind of a mixed breed I don't know what he was but his eyes were bloodshot and he was drunk and so they pull up next to me and the windows roll down and he puts his arm out and he's of course he's got a bottle of beer and he's starting to yell at me, hey, senorita, come get in the car, get in the car. And of course, I mean, I, I, I'd never had this happen to me. Right. And there's no one around. We are in the middle of nowhere. So Peter turns around and sees what's happening, and he hoofs it back to me. And we don't have a weapon on us. But we were carrying these giant golfing umbrellas. So he takes off this umbrella to use as a weapon or a spear if needed. Well, these guys are shouting all kinds of obscenities, trying to pull me in their car. And uh, so when Peter gets there, the guy throws it in reverse, backs up, and he and he keeps coming back and forward, back and forward, like he's going to run us off the road, shouting obscenities. So Peter and I, we jump across the little ravine and strike out across the open desert. And these men are shouting at us, and it's almost dark. And they say, Senorita, we're going to come back and kill you. We're going to kill you. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. So Peter and I hightail it across the prairie. And we know, now we've been on the road long enough to know that we, we know how to disguise ourselves and to hide ourselves. And animals in the wild, think about a rabbit or an animal that is being stalked and a predator. Well, they'll either run as fast as they can or they will freeze and try to be camouflaged. So Peter and I found a little sort of a gully and just stopped and froze. Well, fortunately, there was a car. There had been no other cars, but there was a car coming off in the distance. So when these drunk men saw this car coming, they floored it and burned rubber and, and went on down the, the road screaming that they were going to come back and kill us. So Peter and I, we did not set up our tent we just pulled out our sleeping mats 
and laid on the floor of the desert, hoping we were not on top of a den of rattlesnakes, and just waited for the moon to rise and the stars. And neither of us said a word until it was totally dark. And Peter, he whispered to me, he said, Barbara, were you afraid? And I said, no, I was going to take on the littlest one. So So anyway, that night we slept under the stars and all night long, those men went up and down that highway with a spotlight looking for us. So the next day, the next morning, right at dawn, we got up and we walked five miles into San Luis, Colorado, which is the oldest town in Colorado. We went straight to the sheriff's department, told him what had happened, and he said to us, he said, I know exactly who these guys are. This is a gang of outlaws that come out of these mountains and they actually kill people. And the sheriff pulled, off, pulled out his sawed-off shotgun and said this is the only thing they understand. And he had shot and killed the leader of this gang like a week before. So needless to say, the sheriff tells us, he said, you are lucky to be alive. So that was one of our many adventures. And I tell this story in the memoir. Yeah. So friends that are listening, um, Barbara, you're a great uh, oral storyteller as well. But you're and I want to get into the writing process at some point, because it really is truly a fantastically written book. It's very captivating. All the stories you've mentioned so far, I obviously read them and they were incredibly captivating. One of the things that is is wild about your story is that and it's so unique. I'm not sure anybody listening. First of all, no one listening has sold 15 million of anything. Uh, which is how many of your books sold. But, you know, so it was, your, 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 your story was very popular. But also no one listening, if they have a partner that they live with or are married to, no one listening started their marriage or their partnership off by spending three years uh, walking across the country. And so um, the stories you tell about... Um, yeah, the, the there there were no you know candle lit dinners. It was it was you know it was you know yelling at each other. It, there were there was fighting. There was a lot of aggravation, a lot of being annoyed because that's what anybody would be, you know, traveling day in day out with a pack that's too heavy and you're getting blisters and all the things. Just you smell. You can't take showers. You can't go to the bathroom when and how you want to. All of those things. That is not the ideal. Um, you know, sort of way to begin a a long-term partnership. And so one of the questions I had as I was reading was, obviously we get to know you really well in here and Peter. Um, Do you think that your, the outcome of your life so far would have been different had marriage started differently for you both. And again, like you said, there were, there were delightful times. You tell, you, you talk about them, how, you know, sleeping under the stars and all the, the good times that you had as well. As you look back at your life, do you think things would have gone differently had you chosen to start your marriage differently? Or do you think that was again, now looking back that the way things have played out, that that was inevitable? You know, I have never even thought of that. I've, I've never been asked that question. I have so accepted that this was a part of my destiny that I never questioned, well, would it have been different if we had done this or if we had done that? I accepted it as it was and as it, as it happened. Um, I think throughout life, all of us, at whatever fork in the road, wherever we are, we can choose. And so somewhere along the way, Peter made different choices. And I think our marriage and our lives together could have been different had 
he not made choices and gone another direction. So I do think all the hardships, the inconveniences of the walk really were not a deal breaker in terms of a marriage or relationship. I don't, I don't, because everybody goes through hard times. Ours was just a physical example of what every couple goes through. Ours were more extreme maybe, but every couple has so many adjustments. So, but at each point along the way, you're making decisions to hang in there or I'm done, I'm out of here. So, it, it, it just never, it, it, until this moment, it has never crossed my mind in all these years. Would it have been different if we hadn't started out walking across America? I believe it was basically a call on my life, Nick, to do that. And that I was psychologically, and even though I was, I'm kind of prissy, I was physically and psychologically made to do that. In fact, I, uh, this is a funny little story, and you read this. So we're in West Texas. It's hot as it can be. And we stopped in front of this little church, and the marquee overhead said, if you think it's hot here, referring to, well, it's hot in hell. Well, we had stopped right under that marquee to rest and have a drink of water. Well, up pulls this old Plymouth, and inside, literally, he's the spitting image of, like, the sheriff in Smokey and the Bandit. He's just, you know, he's rotund, he's round, he's got a big, round, kind of sweaty, greasy face. He's got a cigar hanging out the side of his mouth. And he pulls up, wants to know what we're doing. You know, he was checking us out, because we were oddities, walking across Texas in a hundred degree heat with giant umbrellas over our head. I mean, we looked like aliens. So he just was checking us out, make sure we weren't, you know, trouble. And so once we would mention or tell people that we were uh, journalists and walking across America for National Geographic, then all of a sudden we were okay. We were credible. But he looked at me, he wallowed that cigar around in the corner of his mouth, and he looked at me up and down, and he said, well, girl, he said, I can see you're corn-fed. You got some stout legs on you. (laughs) (laughs) All of that to say, psychologically, mentally, I was equipped, but I had strong legs, too. I love I love that. I love I love sort of how you took that question um uh, because I didn't honestly I wasn't asking to imply that you should, you know, regret or wish, you know, what if. Uh I I I love that you took it there and also, yeah, you were like um whether people believe in a higher power or god or whatever, I do believe that each one of us has a we we have a purpose here on the earth. You know, yes. the universe has equipped us Yes. with skills and talents and uh, shortcomings, right? Yes. The the good and the bad. We sort of yes. bring all that to the table and we just try our best every single day, right? Yes. Um, yes. And, and, you know, we have some similarities in our stories. One of them is that we both grew up really poor. I'm one of 12 kids. Uh, my dad is a Guatemalan immigrant and uh, I was born in upstate New York, but we actually, I grew up in Guatemala and we never, I mean, my parents never made close to what uh, a family of our size should make. And so we had, I had my own version of what you described, you know, with your upbringing. I mean, I never, at the, at the, when I was a teenager, all eight boys, we slept in the same bedroom. It was a big bedroom, but it was like a, it was like a college dorm, just four sets of bunks and four dressers. And, you know, I, I grew up that way. And, you know, in our family, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, abuse and there was a lot of, so we, because we were this missionary family, my parents were missionaries, evangelical missionaries, because we were, had 12 kids and we all looked good and we sang and we did the whole thing, the whole song and dance. We were this whole, like kind of, you know, circus where we just kind of paraded ourselves around performing and asking for money so we could go, you know, live this missionary lifestyle. And so there was this element 
that I saw with yours, which I'm sure was difficult for you all to manage, like how famous you became, how famous you were becoming with the stuff that was happening behind the scenes. Cause we had to do that as well. We yeah. couldn't for so many years, we couldn't let on to what was sort of happening behind the scenes. We had to still, even if we, if we were physically hurt, emotionally hurt, um, psychologically hurt, uh, spiritually hurt, whatever it was, we were experiencing pain, but we had to sort of show up, do the song and dance because this is what we're expected to do. This is what people expect us to be now. And I'm sure there were many moments throughout the years um, that you felt the same, right? Like you had to show up and, you know, sort of perform in a way because you had become, I think, I think the way that it's put uh, somewhere in the book or in the bio where it's like you were this America's sweetheart couple traveling across deeply in love, traveling across the country. And yet there was all this turmoil behind the scenes. What, what, what did that season of life teach you about because in my own personal story, like I've, I don't regret going back to the what if question. Like I don't regret anything that's happened. There were so many times when I was physically um, being abused and, and emotionally being abused, verbally being abused. And at the time I was like, well, fuck, I don't want, this is a, this is not a great place for a kid to be. Like, I don't want to be experiencing this. And then when I would see what happened to my mom and my siblings, now I grew up, I've been through a lot. I have my family of my own. And I don't regret one bit of it. My dad is a totally different person now. He's amazing. I love my, my, I'm so blessed that my kids get to have a grandfather like him, but it doesn't take away all the stuff that I, that I went through that we all went through and I don't regret any of it, but there is still the navigating of like, we had to do a, 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 uh, we had to put on a show for so many years. What did that season of life sort of teach you about I don't know, relationships, not just romantic relationships, but like relationships in general and how to navigate when you're not being valued, how you're supposed to be valued, when you're not being honored, when you're not being, when you're, there's just not mutual respect there. What has that sort of taught you about relationships over the years? Well, Nick, I'm at a place in my life where I have many decades to look back on life and people and relationships. And the thing that I know to be true We're all human beings. Everyone has the need to be loved and to belong and to be nurtured. But the truth is that everybody has been hurt, wounded, abused, mistreated. Things have been unfair in their lives. I don't care how privileged you may be in terms of a socioeconomic level, but there are lots of well-heeled people who are most abused and miserable and mistreated. So it's common to everybody. But I think the, the journey or the pilgrimage for each person is to come to a place in your life where you realize, number one, everybody's been hurt, everybody's been wounded, and to look upon people not as Uh, with eyes of judgment, but basically with eyes of understanding and mercy, because you don't know what that other person has gone through. They may appear to have it all, be it all, but you have no idea where they've really come from. So it is a personal work, a personal journey within your own heart to forgive those who have hurt you and abused you to take a bigger view and a bigger have a bigger understanding in the context of life because your father may have been with 12 children it it, it was overwhelming overwhelming absolutely and to think of feeding supporting got the the burden on his shoulders and regardless of the shortcomings of your dad or your mother I think you, hopefully, you reach a place in life where you look with eyes of mercy and understanding on those who've gone before you. And then you pray that with your own children, you don't make the same mistakes, but that uh, that that you can be even a better parent. 
But even your children, no matter how good you are, your children are viewing life through their temperament, their personality, their experiences. So each generation needs to look at those who've gone before and those who come after with a broader context, more mercy and more understanding, and certainly more compassion and forgiveness. Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the 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 goal is right. It's to each generation to continue to get better, right? We yes. we we. My yes. goal, that all this work that I do, I've been a, um, I've been a social impact leader in a, for lack of a better term, a do gooder for you know many 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 years, and I do this. I commit my whole life to it. Because my number one goal beyond influencing people and whatever the podcast and any other things that I'm doing is to leave the planet better than I found it, not just for my children, but for your children and grandchildren. Like we are all, there's this, um, we're all, we're all intertwined this Ubuntu that my, that my friend Jackie Lewis talks about, uh, that is like, I am, I am me because I am not me without you. And you're not you without me. Like there's this interconnectedness, right? And and again, I wouldn't be the you with all of your grit and tenacity and the many things that you've accomplished over the years wouldn't have happened in that way um, had you not gone through, I mean, just the physical nature of the three-year journey that you took, right? You became an incredibly powerful human just by doing that, right? And like well, you said, we've all got the the different things that we're doing, but they 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 really make us who we are if we choose to not feel walk around feeling sorry for ourselves but actually say, no, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. I've got things to do. I've got people to love. I've got all this stuff to do. I'm not going to waste time feeling sorry for myself, right? I know that's also a privileged thing to say, but that's what we need to be doing. There is a wonderful verse that says, forget not the rock from which you were hewn. In other words, don't forget your roots, where you came from, no matter how lacking or how unsavory, or how imperfect they were. You came out of where you were meant to come from. And so you need to take the best of that and build on it. And so I know on my website, I have pictures of the Ozarks where I came from. And I mean, the shacks on my street. The uh, My grandmother as far back as I can remember, even as I was a child, she never had an indoor bathroom. She had plastic curtains on the wall and she cooked on a wood stove. And I grew up taking a bath in an old number two aluminum wash tub. And my mother would pour hot water in the tub. Do I regret any of that? No. It gave me an understanding on way in ways that that I might not have otherwise. It's um, it certainly equipped me to walk across America. I wasn't a prima donna, even though I'd never been camping a day in my life, and I was always a little prissy, but I was prissy walking across America. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, here's, here's what I would love to, here's what I would love to know and talk about for a minute, because all of this, your rise to fame as a result of this walk in the subsequent books and articles and things, this was 40 years ago. You've lived a lot of life since then. Uh, you've raised a family. I don't know your other kids, but I know Jed, you've raised a great family and you've also, I mean, you've, you've, accomplished so much. I mean, the, the, the jobs that you've had, the roles that you've assumed over the years, you've done a lot and we can get into that maybe in a few minutes, but there's been like a 40 year break. And then you come up and say, I'm going to write this book, this memoir in sort of, it is, uh, it's your, it's your side of the story, right? It's your version of all the things that happened now, you know, with a lot of maturity underneath you. So, but why now? What, 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 what sort of, ha- I would love to know because I, I, I'm constantly battling with like, I have a lot of projects I'm working on and I think we're both creative people in our different, you know, in our different fields. And so I'm always like trying to figure out what needs to happen and when, uh, because I do believe that 
there are certain times when things, they're going to hit differently in society and culturally. So what sort of prompted you to write and release this just incredible memoir? Again, telling your side of the story, like now in this sort of season of your life and in this season of like culture, because I think it is a very, it's a very appropriate and needed book right now. Nick, I have two little granddaughters and my seven-year-old granddaughter, one day, she, something came up about uh, one of the books or something. And she said, yo-yo, instead of grandmother or grandma or Mimi, I'm yo-yo. She said, yo-yo, did you really walk across America? Mm. Well, all of a sudden, it's sort of the light bulb went on. I've had people ask me for at least 25 years to write my story, and I did not want to. I did not want to go back. And I mean, it, it takes a lot because I have stacks and uh, thousands of photographs, files of notes and and uh, uh, pictures and, and all that. So I, I never really wanted to write this book. But when my granddaughter said that, I knew that I needed to do that, not only for my own family, but these stories would be lost forever. And they carry much bigger meanings than just for me and my family. So I decided, okay, I will do it. It took three years to write this memoir. And then, you know, when I look back, it really took 40 years for me to be mentally, emotionally, psychologically ready to write this book. And I think you hit, you hit it on the head when you said timing. Timing is everything. But I, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I'll write this book at the right time. The timing is right, and I just didn't know it. And so as a result, I have gotten some of the most incredible endorsements that people would die for, one of them being none other than Dolly Parton. Dolly does not endorse books, but she is nope. an avid reader. One of my best friends has been her backup singer for 35 years. So that's how my manuscript got into her hands. And she wrote the most wonderful. She, she just said, you know, I, I hope you will be as, as inspired as I was. Barbara has done it all, and she's done it again, writing this book. Congratulations, Barbara. Respectfully and creatively yours, Dolly Parton. Okay. Well, that drove me to my knees, number one. Then I had Hilary Swank, an Academy Award-winning actress. Connie Britton, the star of Nashville. And, of course, my son Jed endorsed it. But, you know, that's he knew he had to. Otherwise, he would have been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> but but even even more so than that, because I haven't done this in so many years, it was Publishers Weekly, which is like the industry or the trade magazine in the publishing world. And everybody hopes you get a good review. So Publishers Weekly said it was an epic journey, a cinematic sweep, engrossing. And then the Library Journal, which is another very coveted review, said, if you liked Sarah Westover's uh, Educated or Cheryl Strayed's Wild, you will be captivated by So Long As It Is Wild by Barbara Jenkins. They called it inspirational, captivating, so anyway, I've had these wonderful reviews, which basically gives, I don't know, it sort of endorses me, I guess, as a writer. It endorses my story. 
But beyond all that, I think I feel like I am on a mission that this really is a story for its time and that it really will bring a lot of inspiration and hope to people through a lot of messy circumstances and a lot of hardships, but yet a high adventure. This book has so many twists and turns and drama. You will laugh, you'll cry, you'll be angry. But in the end, I think you will feel inspired and glad you read it. Yeah, I was going to open the conversation, open the interview with the fact that among the other endorsements you got, which are all by amazing people, Dolly Parton uh, endorsed it. So the, the interview is really over. Like that's the only, you don't need to hear me tell you to go read the book because Dolly Parton told you to go read the book, go read the damn book. Um, but I'm still obviously so glad that we got to talk um, and we have a little more to talk about. But yes, those are, it, it really is friends. I've read Educated um, and I've read Wild both the books you mentioned that they were, that your book was compared to. And it truly is like, I could see this becoming, this could be a, this could be a movie fingers crossed. Maybe, I don't know if that's something you want, but it really, really, really could be because you so beautifully took us, you know, current day and then to the past all throughout the book, it's back and forth, back and forth in a way, sometimes people try to do that and it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't work very well because it feels disjointed. Yours, it was just masterfully, told. Um, it really, really, really is an incredible book. You, I hope you feel a week out from it being published and out there in the world. I hope you feel super proud about what you've, um, created, uh, toward the end of the book, Barbara. Oh, did you want to say something there? That's I did. I did. I really like to give credit where credit is due. I, I wrote this book, but I had some wonderful editors. Of course. And yes. they 100%. helped to craft. Um, of course, when I wrote it, I did the time frames forward, backward, forward, backward, but they were able to polish it and make it really sing. So I really want for any, for any of your uh, viewers or any of your listeners who want to be writers or who are writers, you, it's an important part of the process to allow other people <laughs> to take your baby and to do the things that will make it shine and polish it in ways. So I was never threatened by that because I know I'm a good storyteller. I know I'm a good writer, but they were able to polish it and really make it magical. And so I definitely want to give them credit for that. Yeah, that's very kind of you. And it's so true. Um, I've learned that with my in my line of work, as it were, is that it's it's easy, especially for creative people. You kind of the first instinct is that the first instinct is don't touch it. I made it so it's going to be good. Right. That's like or, or even if it's good or not, I want it to be put out this way, like because yes. I made it. And the yes. reality is it gets better and better if you have the right people around you to yes. make it better. And that, that is a, I mean, you've, again, you've clearly over the years have built up. Um, yeah. Like when you wanted this project to be put together, the right people, uh, you know, by the providence of the universe, the right people sort of came around it because again, it's, it's something that is super, you should be super proud of that. So yes, props to the team. Um, toward the end of the book, you talk about, I love this part. Well, I hate it, but I also love it is one of the parts that made me angry, the whole like divorce section, right. And how really everything you had built up sort of like the door closed with two words from the judge. All right. Um, but after that, you talk about how don't worry, be happy. That mantra and that song, that song became your mantra. And I'm sure there's been many difficult times over the past 40 years since then, but it still seems like that is true from what I can observe from your life. And so what I'd love to ask, this might be, it's, it's such a cliche question, but I want to hear, I want to ask it and I want to hear your answer because I really believe people are ultimately trying to figure out what a meaningful and what a happy life looks like. How do you become happy and how do you 
contribute meaningfully to the world. And so I want to ask you that despite all of the shit that life has thrown at you, despite all the things you've gone through, what are the secrets to a happy and a meaningful life? Well, even my son, Jed says, mom, you're like a light. You're like a, you're, you're like a, a bright light, but my, I have a happy heart. I have a happy mind. I face each day with thankfulness and gratitude. And I think that it is a process. As you go through life, you want to be purposeful in acknowledging the blessings in your life. There are, if you just focus on all the things that go wrong, all the people who've wounded you, hurt you, Somebody cut you off in traffic. You were shortchanged here. I mean, you carry these grudges and all of these things in your life. You are missing the peace that comes with with counting your blessings. There's an old hymn from my childhood that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And so I think that's where many people miss the joy of living because their focus is on the wrong things and they they want to nurse a grudge or somebody said something bad to them right. well you can actually practice you can practice these attitudes and and it may be hard at first but do it in baby steps and pretty soon in a week, a month, two months, you'll find all of a sudden you, you're feeling better about life. And you've heard that old thing that, that uh, water seeks its own level and you attract whatever you're putting out. Well, if you're putting out joy and, and, and a peace of mind and heart and compassion and mercy and thankfulness, I mean, it's pretty hard for people to come at you with daggers and just want to rip you apart. Well, even if they do, it's, 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 well, God bless you. I'm so, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Cause they're, I mean, the secret to being happy is really so simple. It's just, having peace in your mind and your heart. And when you cannot find that peace and you're in a mess or you're in a wad, and I have certainly been there. If you read my book, you'll know I've had a lot of messes and a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache. But I am here to tell you today, there's not a happier woman on the face of this earth. There's not a woman I wake up with, well, I can't really sing and carry a tune, but I wake up with a song in my heart. I wake up, I wake up happy and glad to be alive because I don't know what wonderful things are going to happen today. And they do. They do. That's a gorgeous outlook. Um, I really appreciate that. I, I take a lot of my sort of cues about how I live my life from spirituality as well. But I also get a lot of my, uh, take a lot of cues from the Stoics. And the Stoics taught all the time. Like one of their, one of the most foundational parts of being a Stoic was don't worry about the things you can't control. Like only, like spend zero time on the things you can't control. That doesn't mean they won't hurt you. They won't get you down. They might even kill you. Like what those things might completely overcome you. But if you have no control over it, why spend one damn second giving that exactly. thing control over you? If you worry about the things you have control over, then ultimately, you know, happiness and peace and joy will come through. And there's so many stories, yours and a million others throughout time that show us that that sort of a life 
that sort of, you know, that the, with the goal of living a happy and a meaningful life, that living the way that you described and the way the sto like you've had enough go wrong in your life to harbor those grudges, to harbor the, the, the just, yeah, to still hold the stress and the anger and all those things. And it's very clear talking to you today, seeing you on social media, reading this book that you're free from those things. They happened. They're a part of your life. Those are all, these are all true stories that again, could have held you down, but you've chosen to move beyond them. You've chosen to, they, they, they had a, they had a, they had a, 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 a part of my life, but I'm choosing happiness. I'm choosing success. I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to live the kind of life where I wake up in the morning and there's a song on my lips. Like that's unique. That's different than most people live. Well, the, the other element to that, the other ingredient to that is that for all those things that have gone wrong and the people who hurt you or, or wounded you, I've, I've forgiven them. You know, forgiveness, I think, is at the very core of being able to live a happy life. You cannot carry around anger in your heart and vindictiveness and that you're 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 gonna get back at somebody. You you carry that around and that'll eat you up just like a cancer. And so it's easy to say, oh, we'll just let go of it. But how do you let go of it? You let go of it by forgiving those people. And if you don't know how to forgive, you just say, I, many times I have walked around my house and I have said out loud about an offense that happened to me. And I have said, you know what? I forgive so-and-so of that. I will not hold on to that or harbor that in my heart. Mm. I, for, I forgive that person and that set of circumstances. Life is too short. Oh, my Lord. You know, I, we're not going to talk about how old I am, but I'm, I'm getting up there. And it's too, life is too short. And if you want to be healthy, you know, there's a scripture that says a merry heart is good medicine. If you want to be healthy, then have a happy heart. You can't walk around with all this weight of, you know, anger and, and, and grudges and so-and-so did this to me and so-and-so did that. No, just fluff it off. No. Fluff it off. I'm having so much fun talking to you. Um, but let's begin to wrap up our time together here today. Uh, I have a question that I want to ask, which is you've inspired so many people over the decades, and this book undoubtedly will inspire many more. But as you're writing and telling stories and inspiring others, I'd love to know who or what is inspiring you. Whose words, wisdom carry you through uh, these days and these times, not just as you write the book, but just as you live life and figure out how to keep going and keep being that happy person that wakes up with a song in their heart. Who or what is inspiring you uh, on this journey? Well, I want to give credit to my mother. You read about her in the book. Now, my mother was a redheaded, fiery, temperamental. Oh, she was a character and she was tough as nails on me and she was hard on me. And I had to go through a lot of growth and maturity to forgive her. But my mother was very, very, very creative. So I inherited a lot of gifts and creativity, just like my son Jed is highly creative. So it's in the gene pool. Okay, so there's one, I want to give my mother credit, but I also want to give my faith credit because what gives me inspiration and gives me uh, hope <clears throat> and sustains me is my faith. And when I am troubled or when I'm happy, I just uh, 
walk around and I'm looking out at my rose garden right now, out my office window. And many times I've walked out there and I've looked at those roses and I've thought, aren't those beautiful? They are just gorgeous. And I'm such a flower lover. And you know what? Heaven will be full of this kind of beauty. Well, thank you, God, that I get to experience just a taste of it, just a touch of it. And then here in my office, I'm looking at a scripture out of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. If you came from a family of missionaries, then you've probably heard some of these verses in your background. But this verse, I have, I've had this here for years, but it's kind of like my daily mantra. For I know the plans I have for you, Nick. Barbara, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I don't care how old you are, you've always got a future. If you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, plans to give you hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. So it's those kinds of words, you know, our words bring life and death. So whenever I speak, my hope is that I bring life to whoever hears me. I want to bring hope and for you to know that you have hope in the future. Love that. Thank you for sharing those two inspirations with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, again, to sort of add to the complexity of your whole story, I love that you the first person you thanked was if for those when they read the book, it's one of the people that didn't always treat you how you deserve to be treated, right? But again, in this kind of like wild web of this life that we get to live, I too can go back and thank some of the more harmful people, places, and things in my life yes. for yes. different things that they gave me, even though at the time it might not have been great in the grand scheme of life, these, again, these people, places, and things made me who I am today. So I love that, um, you, that she, that your mom was the first person that you thanked when I asked for, you know, who's, who's, who's still inspiring you, whose wisdom is carrying you today. That's really beautiful. Uh, Barbara Joe, as we begin to wrap up, this is a book that I want everybody listening to read. It's why I had you on. This was kind of a double thing for me. One was just an excuse to get to know Jed's mom but also this fantastic book that I got to read uh, ahead of all the people listening right now. But where do you want people to go? Uh, this, th this conversation will come out on book the, the day that your book releases. So where do you want people to go to buy it? What do, what do you want them to check out? Where do you want them to follow you? This is your sort of chance to get all that in right here at the end of our conversation. Um, Nick, one other thing I want to say about my oh, yeah. Please and go ahead. your your relatives, whoever harmed or wounded you, same as my mother. Do you know that a lot of these people have no idea the harm that they're causing others? They're, they're not even aware of it. Sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. So we have to also give, show mercy to them because a lot of, a lot of the things in life are done out of ignorance, just pure old ignorance. So we want to extend a lot of grace, and a lot of understanding in that department. Well, if you want to buy this book or follow me or whatever, you can go on my website, Barbara Joe, and that's J-O, BarbaraJoeJenkins.com, or you can follow me on Instagram, and that's Barbara Jenkins Writer. So, um, and when you go on my website, there's pictures there. You can read the preface to this new book. You can see um, uh, previous books I've written. You can also, there's all kinds of links from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. There's all kinds of links where you, it'll take you straight to where you can buy the book if you want to. And some of them give 
good discounts and others don't. So click around and get the best deal. Yep. I will have the website. It sounds like the website is home central for everything. BarbaraJoJenkins.com. And yeah, if you're in Tennessee, Mississippi, Texas, Colorado, Oregon, Idaho, or Utah, uh, you might get the chance to meet Barbara Joe in person on the tour and get the book there so you can get it signed. So again, all that's on BarbaraJoJenkins.com. Barbara, this um, you have walked thousands and thousands of miles. You've raised three kids. You've sold millions of books. You've influenced a lot of people. And I know that this book is going to continue to um, help people in, in a variety of ways because the stories are so real and they're raw and there's... I learned so much, not just about your life, but also I was encouraged. I was reinforced. I was strengthened by reading these stories. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for being bold enough all these decades later to write it. And um, I'm so glad that we got to meet and uh, talk about your book and so much more. Well, it's been my honor, Nick. And you're, you're, you're such a, such a warm and heartfelt person. And I just think where you came from, it did make you the person that you are but you have a mission a pur- a purpose and a destiny and and the hope and prayer is that we all find what we're meant to do and how we're meant to be but one time someone asked me barbara what do you want your leg- legacy to be and i thought about it and i guess i want it to be that i treated people right that's a beautiful way to end That's a beautiful way to end. Um, Thank you so much. This has been super fun. I hope we get to do it again. Okay, Nick. This has been great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dear friends, thank you so much for showing up and for spending some time with Barbara and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadamn.com. Please share this episode with a friend, Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please show up next week. We have many more incredible conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins-Harn, and the incredible team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda, and you can reach out anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. Keep giving a damn. I love you all. Bye for now. <laughs>